Today's TribCast is presented by the Texas Cultural Trust. Learn how art can help your child succeed in school and in life at artcantexas.org. Texas Talking Out. What was that that you said? Texas Talking Out. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking Out. Tell me who can you trust when Texas Gods are Greg Fendus, president of the University of Texas at Austin. If it's a Saturday in the fall with hundreds of people descending on our campus for a big event, that can only mean one thing, TribFest. Now to your TribCast host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the third week of September. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. Get in toward the microphone. Don't you want people to be able to hear you? No. Sit up and go to work. Come on. <laughs> Executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. Just checking in for a flight. I'll look, I'll look at it. Sitting up straight, all nice, the good boy. He's not used to saying good afternoon. Um, I'm not totally sure I got that Fenvis joke. Is he talking about football games? <laughs> That's a way homer. You're going to get it on the way home. Is that right? <laughs> yes. yes. You're talking about football. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, good. Well, uh, let's start with what is clearly the most important political news of the week, and that is Rick Perry on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> there, is a, there is a point at which I think we're going a little too far. In we're not this. going. Oh, by the way, if you're tuning in on Facebook and you want to ask us questions about Rick Perry on Dancing with the Stars, now <laughs> is your opportunity. <laughs> I think it was everything that we detested and we were not going to become seven years ago. Uh, yeah, well, Rick Perry was not on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars seven years ago. Global, I, re- I remember the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so how did he do last night? What's the latest? Is he going to get booted tonight? I saw a two-second GIF of him dancing. I didn't it's watch. It's called I, a I, GIF. I experienced it through GIFs. Right. I support that pronunciation. You guys, I watched it's a with GIF. The stars, right? <laughs> it's a GIF. This it's, is, what? What GIF? Where? GIF's a peanut uh. butter. What are you talking about? <laughs> Here we go. Did, I was I was watching Broadchurch. I did didn't none of you actually watch it? I watched it after the fact. And, um, you know, I thought, again, so you're going to do the color here. <laughs> to, he you watch The Bachelor. <laughs> no, that's not me. That's not me. You do watch uh, The Bachelor? No, I Sorry, don't. No, no, no. Brian Rosenthal watches I often get unfairly grouped in with my roommate on that, on that account. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's not me. <laughs> but you did. All right. So, so I think this is going well. So, yeah. like so right. far, the takeaway from this podcast yeah, is Brian Rosenthal <laughs> watches The Bachelor. We already knew I that. thought Perry continued to demonstrate, uh, you know, a real, <laughs> real enthusiasm. <laughs> You, you guys, could, there is no talking finish. about this with a straight face. Start, start your sentence and end at the same same face. <laughs> he was like hopping around the stage to the Green Acres theme. Who oh, said today gosh. that Anita Perry's in the audience and that she was praying to God that he would never do this? She didn't exactly look thrilled. And well, I have it, heard when you spouse... left up to her afterward and kissed her, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Would yeah, your spouse team. want you to do that? Honestly, well, no. Especially if I was up there like dancing with Fabio, you know, and my hands were ending up in inopportune places. <laughs> Speaking of the gifts, haven't you seen the one on Good Morning America? Is there a gif of Fabio's yeah, inappropriate couple, no, places? A couple no, weeks ago. it's yeah. Rick Perry on Good Morning America and it, dancing with his super hot partner, and they she does some quick spin around, and his hand just ends up right on her boob. I mean, that's what <laughs> that, that's funny. Okay, this entire conversation now was worth it just to get to that. Oh, uh, payoff. That's all right. That's fine. Well, since you guys don't want to talk seriously about this, um, I mean... Is there an option? <laughs> I know. What are you, doing? What are you talking about? So what's the rationale? Like, what's he doing here? Other than, you know, Ka-ching support for... For veterans? Is, I mean, that's what it is. Is there anything else? Or any other? He's also staying in the public eye. 
He's been under lock and key as a public official since 1984, and he just got out of school. Is and that what going, it is? Having his little fling. I'm going to go do stuff I couldn't do School's before. School's out for the summer, right? Huh? And here we are. All right. Well, <laughs> well and, and and in a more in a more sober huh. and serious response, Good you know, I just think he's probably looking at the election and he's going the likelihood of there being a cabinet for me to go into is probably 50 percent at best. The dancing cabinet. No, I mean, you know, he's not running for Actually, secretary of booty or whatever it is that he's doing now. He's, the uh, Department of Agriculture, I mean, he was doing a pretty like hokey, you know, the Green Acres dance. He was doing sort of a farmer thing. He had a pitchfork. The pitchfork came after the fact, though, right? I kind of tuned out for a little bit for a few seconds, and all of a sudden he's on screen with a pitchfork. <laughs> right. It kind of just materialized. Do you know what Green Acres is? No, I don't. I don't actually either. Perhaps at some point I will sing a, a portion of the Green do Acres it. theme Why, song. Do it. What are you waiting for? There is not a chance in hell that I'm going to do this. Featured a character who sounded exactly like Mac Brown. How's that? We're going to put Evan on The Voice. There was also a talking pig. All right. Right? Arnold? <laughs> Am I correct about that? You're in control of this, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to deviate You're from the planned job. Tribcast conversation to ask a question from Marshall, not about Rick Perry. We were just talking about this, actually. What do you think about the George H.W. Bush and Hillary Clinton situation? The question is, is there even a situation? What do we know at this point? We know nothing. What, what has been reported that we know? Well, we know that a member of the, the Kennedy family, or the extended, at least extended Kennedy family, posted on one Facebook. Of the, one and, of the upstanding yeah. Kennedys. <laughs> right. uh, posted on uh, Facebook wow. in recent days that she had uh, a picture of her meeting George H.W. Bush and saying that he told me he's voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, I think that sent some reporters going to uh, Bush 41 spokesman. Um, and he said that he did not uh, confirm or deny it. And so that kind of kept the story alive. And then just uh, today, there was a CNN report saying more specifically, reporting more specifically, that a George H.W. Bush had announced to a room full of uh, people, up to 40 people, I believe, according to the CNN report yesterday, that he planned to vote for Hillary Clinton. His spokesman is said, uh, denying that he I made that announcement that. to a room of, of any size. And so there's. Don't you think we would have heard more positive affirmation of that if there had been a room of 40 people? People? I mean, all of this seems a little well, strange. It's very hazy. It's a it's private event. People well, might not have talked about it. i got to say, the normal pattern for the Bushes has been when something like that happens and they have a feeling that it's going to go public, they put out a statement pretty quickly that yeah. says, yes, as the you Bushes might have heard. The Bushes are pretty blunt about this kind the, of the, stuff. The yeah. issue is this is not implausible. That's one of the reasons the story oh, has course, legs. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly like, thank you for crapping all over my son Jeb exclamation point for a year. Right, now I'm going to right. vote for you. Now an Uber driver apparently. Now, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now was that not the, the best? That was pretty great. <laughs> it was the best. So it's not that he's going to necessarily vote for Trump. I mean, I think most of us would say if we were betting people here, probably not. I actually had a thought this week initially enough when this happened that – as we get closer to an election in which Donald Trump's election may itself be a possibility, a real possibility, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if George W. Bush, George H. W. No, Bush or George w. w. Bush, actually endorsed Hillary Clinton publicly. I think the likelihood only rises if it continues to be this tight of a race, or it's it's tightening race. Is it? How, I mean, trajectory. how tight is it though? You know, I look at the New York Times little you know caster every day, and it's, it's not as tight like, as Kellyanne Conway thinks. It that Hillary's you know chances are still seventy three percent or something. Mm. I mean, that's not you don't low. you don't really know until you get through the debates and you see how they did and you mm-hmm. see how the question actually is formed for the race sometime in October. Mm-hmm. You know, where people are going to the polls. I'm voting for this or that. If it's Trump versus Clinton, that's what we're talking about right now. But, you know, chances are something shows up in those debates or in the next couple of three weeks that actually is 
the question that frames the And the fact the that neither Johnson nor Stein is in the debates means that the total that they're racking up in the polls now, which is in the 12 to 15 percent range, right. depending upon the poll, will diminish because right. over time, historically, third party candidates and fourth party candidates, yeah. if they're not in the debates, they begin to fade. And then the question is, where do those votes go? Uh, yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that national security seems to be the primary driver of some of these older, more establishment Republicans toward Clinton. And we mm -hmm. obviously just had some attacks over the weekend. So I think if that continues to be the terrain on which the candidates are navigating, right. Right. That, that only makes it more likely that people like George H.W. Bush or people associated with the Bushes come out publicly or can, you know, throw their support to uh, Clinton. Right. Um, well, so Dan Patrick uh, did not want Rick Perry to be the only one on the airwaves this week. Uh, Dan Patrick was on Laura Ingram's uh, show making some comments around Ted Cruz. What exactly did he say and, and what was the message? Sure. On uh, Monday, Laura Ingram asked uh, Patrick basically what is going on with Ted Cruz. Uh, she's been a Trump supporter and has been upset with Republicans who haven't supported Trump, just like Ted Cruz I. hasn't e. so Cruz. far. Right. Um, and Patrick, as part of his response, he said that... Uh, Something to the effect of, you know, if, if Cruz does not endorse or get behind Trump before Election Day, he could be left in the rearview mirror of the Republican Party. Basically, the party could move on uh, without him. He did another radio interview this morning where he reiterated the same sentiment. Uh, he tr expressed what at least he tried to make it sound like more of a, a concern than a, a warning of any sort. I'm worried sort. about him. I'm not, um, but I'm he said this morning him. as well, I'm worried that if Trump were to win, Cruz would be an outsider in that presidency, that Cruz wouldn't be brought into the fold in any way, which I don't know if Cruz is really looking forward to right. being a part of a, a Trump uh, presidency or, or Trump's Washington. No, um, I mean, obviously, Dan Patrick. Dear Senator Cruz, please join my administration. P.S. Tell your father who killed Kennedy hello from me. Sincerely, President right. Trump. And your ugly wife. Yeah. Right. All those things. Well, and he said. also said, you know, Patrick also said, you know, Republicans who don't endorse Trump will be in the rearview mirror and named Cruz. But, you know, he was talking about all of yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he he said that he thinks Cruz will get reelected. But he said there was uh, I can't remember the exact phrase. No question that Cruz had hurt himself with the Republicans yeah, nationally. nationally. Yeah. You know, and part yeah. B of this is that Mike McCall uh, today right. uh, made comments yeah. uh, quite critical of Cruz's not support not support decision, not support Trump. Well, McCall, comma, who, who has been, who well, has been we'll named as somebody, yeah. we'll right. right. Yeah. But he says specifically that Cruz. Cruz had broken his, uh, his word. Um, and this, of course, all comes against the backdrop of Reince Priebus uh, dropping the Kenosha hammer on Sunday on the, on the talk shows, uh, saying basically, you know, we may decide not to uh, allow people who don't support the nominee this time, who broke their word, uh, to, to run again. The, the whole thing is absurd. Um, if the Democrats ever tried any of this, now I'm not spe speaking specifically of Lieutenant Governor Patrick or of Congressman McCall, but of the chairman of the party, if the Democrats ever tried this, the Republicans would correctly be mocking them. John Weaver, who was John Kasich's uh, chief strategist, uh, uh, came down on Priebus with right. the, the full weight mm -hmm. of a statement in which he referred to him literally as a, quote, Kenosha political mm -hmm. operative. <laughs> which somebody pointed out they had seen open for Pink Floyd at some point. Kenosha, Kenosha, attacked, by, Kenosha yeah. attacked by Kermit. You know, uh, we no, can look, this, right. is, this is like... Popcorn popping. This mm -hmm. is so much fun to right. watch. Everybody fighting over Well, this. I mean, Patrick was saying this in his relatively new capacity uh, as Trump's Texas state chairman, right? I mean, uh, this yeah. is, you know, we've previously had Dan Patrick far into um, right. Ted Cruz's corner. And now, what is this new role? He's now been the state chairman for two campaigns. Wasn't he state chairman? Right. He was Cruz's chairman during the primaries exactly. for Texas yeah. right. specifically. Right. So right. so what in, what does this new role mean? I mean, is it a formality? or is I think it, it's, you know, he's t it's a form formality more than anything. He's obviously been a vocal Trump supporter supporter for a while. I mean, we frequently refer to him in stories as perhaps the most vocal Trump supporter among Republican elected officials in Texas. Um, so maybe, I think it was maybe, maybe Sid. 
Sure. <laughs> well, Sid stepped up. There's been some some competition for that mantle. Right. Um, you know, but I think in, in his role, it's it's formalizing his support, um, and also puts him in a position to uh, recruit volunteers in Texas to work in battleground states. Right. Um, so that's I think that's one one of his main responsibilities. And he also will you know whenever Trump visits the state, which has been not infrequently during this <laughs> general election, uh, he'll be there to uh, to appear on his behalf. It's a no lose proposition for yeah. Patrick. Right. I mean, it seemed right. like Patrick right. had been pretty quiet on Cruz in the aftermath of he the was convention. he was relatively quiet. Um, wasn't so doing any interviews specifically on that subject or speaking to the media specifically on that subject, but he's now been doing this round of interviews. And what I find the most fascinating, perhaps, uh, when you take what Patrick has said about Cruz, when you take what we heard from Mike McCall uh, this morning, is that uh, these two Republicans, I mean, I guess it speaks not very optimistically for Cruz that these two Republicans feel that right now this is an environment in which they can be so outspoken mm-hmm. about the political danger that right. Cruz well, is no, in. With no consequences. Exactly. Well, for, for exactly. Patrick, I there's mean, plenty of time to make up. I sure. mean, you're right. going to have yeah. 50 days of being Trump's guy, and then you can go back to being Cruz's guy. McCall, back to my comma a minute ago, McCall is being talked to and talking about challenging Cruz in a Republican primary for U.S. In Senate in 2018. Unwilling to dampen the speculation. Well, and now's the time when, you know, if you were going to do that or even if you yeah. were just feeling it out, you would um, let people know that you're interested so that, you know, maybe Cruz's money freezes, maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a reading off of the, this. The, the, this is all going to freeze until we see the outcome of the presidential because if Donald right. Trump loses, then the people who refuse to endorse Trump because they believed he was going to ultimately cause the party to lose are going to look a lot smarter. Right. And the people who are counting on a President Trump to back and support and possibly fund or help fund or find funding for a campaign against Cruz in the primary, that whole door is shut. Right. Unless right. people in the GOP blame people like Cruz for a loss. Well, I was going to say, if, if Trump were to lose a race by a quarter inch, right. you know, and you get, you know, if, those, if this had happened or this had happened. Yeah. But if it's a landslide. Uh, if it's a landslide, then, then Cruz is probably OK. If it's, if it's a close race. Donald Trump is going to be the difference between Trump winning and losing. I don't. No, but I think no, it, it could, could be, be a, a convenient argument. For certainly could be a talking right. point in a Senate race. This is the guy who wouldn't. Well, so, so what has Cruz been up to? I mean, he's been speaking to some he's Tea Party groups. Story on this in yeah. November. Has, late. He's, he's been following him around. Sure, a yeah, bit he's this been week. he's been doing a few more political events than usual after being pretty quiet on the political front in uh, September. He was traveling the state in his official capacity. He spoke at a Kingwood Tea Party rally on Friday night and said some not earth shattering, but definitely new things about what his political plans are between now and November. He's always pledged to help out with down ballot candidates. He got a little more specific on Friday night. He warned that the, the GOP majority in the Senate is hanging by a thread. He promised to do everything he could to help uh, get his, his colleagues reelected. And this is not just him, but it's him and Cornyn. Exactly, they, yeah. And they this, hugged this, it out, yeah. <laughs> right? Like Johnny Drama and Turtle yeah. or something, right? It was like our own version of Entourage. Need a Photoshop so you watch yeah. that, but not Game of yeah, Thrones? Yeah. And, and, and I so, watch yeah. Entourage. I, it was on while I happened to be home. I don't say I watched <laughs> Right. He walked through the room and grabbed, it, grabbed all the names. It's not like Project Runway or anything. Don't you talk badly about Tim Gunn. <laughs> uh, he also spoke at the Kingwood Tea Party rally about the need for Texas Republicans in, in particular to show up at the polls in November, which seemed like somewhat of a nod towards some of these public polls we yeah, see that shows the race yeah. is, is a, uh, a little closer than usual. So it seemed like he was aware of that. And he also, you know, in his remarks about need, there needing to be turnout in Texas, also seemed to be acknowledging that he's trying to do his part to at least help out below the top of the ticket in November, even if there's kind of a question mark at the top for him. Do you think he was suggesting that they could vote for Evan McMullen? 
Perhaps. <laughs> we should ask him. Gin up interest in the Tribune Festival, <laughs> I, my that, dear. Nice transition. Evan, I do want to talk to you about uh, McMullen and the sort of news about him getting, he can now be a write-in He's candidate. He's a certified write-in candidate. So what does that even mean? You have to know it means to they count. In. It means they count your name if you're written in. They don't count Mr. Mouse and Mr. Duck. Right? People write in stuff like that all the time. If you're a certified <laughs> Mickey, candidate, Mickey, Mickey and, and Donald, sorry, everybody's got to fact <laughs> check me Mouse on this. Mr. Mouse and Mr. Duck is boring. <laughs> At least have better references. Come on. <sighs> like if Patrick uh, or Patrick, Patrick, like, you know, Meek Mill, if they write in Meek Mill. Pat, Patrick Starr and SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Whatever, right, pick, your, pick your, choose your poison. If you're not certified, they don't count the votes. If you're certified, they count the votes. But how do they, I mean, the chances of you getting more than a handful of people writing your name, how do tiny. people even know so, to so write So Evan name? McMullen, as I understand it, is on something like 10 state ballots. I'm going to get the numbers wrong because I, that, that number I'm quoting is a number from a couple days ago, and this is all right. fast moving. But I think he's on 10 states ballots. He may be on another 10 states ballots pretty soon. And I think the total number of states on whose ballots he will appear in some fashion, my understanding is it'll be like 40. Gary Johnson is on every state's yeah. ballot. Um, you know, this is an unusual year. I think it's very difficult to look at previous elections and say this election is going to go roughly that way, although earlier in this conversation right. I did by saying that by not being in the debates that their <laughs> right. amount of their vote is going to diminish. I think that that's generally true, although I think this is a year in which we really don't know what the hell's going on. You know, Connie Burton's got to vote for somebody. Let me just use her as an example. <laughs> She's not going to vote for Clinton. She's not going to vote for Trump. Right. Uh, she may not vote. In fact, that may very well be the answer. But there are alternatives to go park yourself if you choose to be a protest voter. And that protest vote this year has a greater potential of being meaningful than it has in previous years. Yeah. In, right? I was going to say in Texas, with what few polls we've seen, I right. think the non-Clinton, non-Trump slice of those polls has been somewhere in the, the mid to high teens. We all right. know people who are lifelong dyed new old Republicans. We talked about a family of those Republicans earlier, you know, folks by the name of Bush. Mm-hmm. Right, they got to go park their vote somewhere. You know, I, I don't. But are know they what more? Gonna, are they more likely to do. park their votes for somebody who's officially on the ballot than they are by you know a write-in? I don't think they're going to feel. Or you know, I don't. I don't think you know, Republicans they may decide to write in Robert Gates. It's a. There are a couple steps right? to this. First, I hear he's dopey. Yeah. yeah first, but you decide. Write him in anyway. Yeah. First, right. you decide you're not going to vote for your party's candidate if that's you know right. where you're going. Yeah. But it's a whole different decision to say, yeah, and I'm so mad at my party's candidate, I'm going to vote for their party's candidate. That's a whole different thing. I it's think, a, it's a I, think a lot of, I think a lot of those Republicans right. are going to say, I'm skipping that race. There, there I'll go down be, to the next There one. are going to be a handful of them who are going to make a, a slightly sophisticated and ultimately unprovable assertion that a non-vote is a vote for Trump. And that if you really want to beat this guy, you got to vote for her. you got to put 55 clothespins on your nose in case 54 fall off. But you got to do it. Because the only way to drive a stake through his heart is by voting for her. That, that may be the theory that drives certain people, right. but maybe not enough to get her to win in Texas. I don't know. Right. There, I mean, I do think there's a class of people who just don't want to so, be to blame. So with regard to right. the other Evan, um, you know, my conversation with him on Sunday morning will in part uh, uh, begin with a conversation about reality. <laughs> you are not going to be the president of the United States on January 20th any more than I am. So what are you doing? Well, he is the vessel into which the frustration with the system, the belief that we've elected two people who don't deserve and are not fit to be president, he, he's that vessel. That's where everybody pours their— Well, he uh, or Jill Stein or you know, Gary Johnson. But i got to say, I think Jill Stein and Gary Johnson are more predictable and reliable and familiar trope 
candidates. I'll make the bet I think now McMullen that is something different. John Johnson certainly gets more votes than McMullen does. No question. And, and I think oh, yeah, Steinwell sure. too. Right. But I but I think I think the thing about McMullen is even though McMullen, she doesn't know the difference between Cleveland and Cincinnati. Maybe they start with right. C. And does, Ohio City is between C vaccines for and not vaccines. Right. <laughs> McMullen is a real protest candidate. Enter the, the anti-vaxxers. Right. right. <laughs> in the Tribcast yes. comments. DA Nico LaHood on line yeah. one. Hello, San Antonio. Uh, um, uh, Johnson and Stein are third and fourth party candidates. They're independent candidates. But I'm not prepared to say that they are as much protest candidates as McMullen is. McMullen is yeah. truly a protest candidate. His whole candidacy arose out of a profound unwillingness and disagreement with Trump. Unwillingness to support Trump and disagreement with Trump. And, and specifically a conservative disillusionment with right. Trump. Right. He seems like the biggest place right. or the biggest candidate um, to park if you so want we'll, that. So we'll have him on Sunday. We're going to have a great conversation. It's going to be wide-ranging, and it's going to be about the future of the country and the future of the campaign. And I just think that's a good conversation to have always. And you can still attend the TribFest? Correct. By walking up? There's a walk-up rate. Uh, you know, uh, there's no Sponsored one... Sponsored content. Let, let me say this. No one... <laughs> hashtag ad. Uh, <laughs> no one who wants to attend the Trib Festival uh, and cannot afford the full price... Uh, is going to be turned away. Come find one of us this week, and we will figure out a door to send you through that will allow you to attend. We want everybody there. We have the biggest mm -hmm. crowd we've ever had before. It's going to be great. We can afford to be magnanimous. We want everybody there. Terrific. All right. Just a reminder, if you're turning, tuning in on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Uh, we had some news this weekend. Governor Abbott revealed after a couple of months um, the source of the third-degree burns he got that kept him away from the GOP convention this summer. Um, what, did he, what did he reveal? He said that the incident happened in the shower and that he effectively uh, had his uh, feet or legs exposed to scalding hot water in the shower for several minutes and because of his paralysis um, did not know that these severe burns were taking place and that, as you said, that was those are new details. I mean, it was a little bit of a mystery what the circumstances were of this burn incident when it happened in July. Uh, reporters, uh, you know, tried right. to get the information out of the governor's office and they weren't budging. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, while <laughs> campaigning uh, on Saturday for Will Hurd in San Antonio, uh, he does a gaggle with reporters, and the first question is from a reporter asking him to, uh, I think the, the exact phrase was, can you put the mystery to rest? <laughs> and he just casually answered, yeah, it happened in the shower. Well, but, well, why so was there a mystery? Why, why, why didn't he, why he just say, so? say it at the time? This, uh, this is what I don't understand, because it's such a mundane explanation. Like this, you know, the problem was right. he allowed people to sort of create these rumors and speculation, and, you know, everybody was right. making suggestions when it, it is like such a basic And also, thing. Peggy, Peggy, let me, let me uh, shout out to my, my sister Peggy Fikak in the press corps from the San Antonio Express who reported a story on this very subject why is it such a mystery and was just roundly slammed by Abbott folks Yep. She, she, she took all kinds of crap for daring to write the story that, quite honestly, everybody had, had the, the question and it was not a, a nasty question it was not a negative question it was right. not a prying question it was simply if you're not answering right. the basic facts what? about this, right. then you're causing us to, as you say, Emily, basically project onto a blank screen. Mm -hmm. right? I, I have to wonder if the timing of this wasn't the result of this huge flap, you know, over Hillary Clinton not revealing that she had pneumonia or Donald Trump, you know, his medical records being a little bit like weirdly released oh, by Dr. Oz. Huh. I wonder if Abbott saw the specula the conversation around that, how people got slammed for not revealing their medical histories yeah. and thought about his own political future and said, you know what? Next time I get asked about it, I'm just going to say what happened. I mean, if that is what happened. The problem with that is now everyone's like, well, well is that of, really of, of what it was? Of course, the question, now this is, 
I don't know that I mean to be provocative here, right. but you know, I may be in the minority in thinking that I'm not sure that Hillary Clinton's pneumonia was necessarily something that was obligated to be revealed by her at the time, and I'm not sure that his burns, the origin of his burns, was something that necessarily needed to be revealed in the way that people seem to think. He, you know, why did he not tell us right away? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not 100% on this. I'm somewhat closer to transparency than not, but I kind of think. Uh, I don't know. It's a the problem for both of them is that they're in public life and they're very prominent. And as Emily said, people are going to fill in the blank. One of the very first mm-hmm. theories that I heard about this when everybody was throwing in their wild speculation was, you know, it probably was something like in the shower. Yeah. It's like you know, why don't you just knock it down, get it out of the way? It's a one one day story. Boom. Well, also because this always ends up coming out in some weird way, you know, like when Rick Perry went to get his those stem cell injections in his back, you know, it ended up being like one of the nurses who was in the room who revealed it and it became a whole kooky thing or Sid Miller Sid goes Miller to got get a shot. his Jesus, Jesus shot, shot and, yeah. you know, Brian Rosenthal right. reports that. Right, speaking roommate. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he's coming up a lot in this Tribcast. Uh, I just think when you don't reveal it, it ends up becoming an even bigger story. And at right. first, maybe it seemed, you know, this, this happened around the time of the Dallas police shooting. At first, it was like, look, he is downplaying his own incident in order to, you know, give this the attention to this really horrific tragedy. You know, I think it made a little more sense then. But as sort of the days and weeks went by, you started to wonder, like, what the hell happened? It was the reason he skipped the Republican National Convention. Mm-hmm. You know, there were... He was hospitalized. I mean, right. I think also any time... He was you not know, only hospitalized. He had significant medical procedures. Right. Yeah, skin grafts. Skin grafts. Yeah. I mean, that's right. not, you know, that's certainly not nothing. Right. And especially for a guy who's, you know, campaign ads. Remember the ad where he's, like, pumping uphill in the parking garage, you know, in the wheelchair? Like, you know, clearly sort of a portrayal you know, I of his wonder, own I, I wonder, though, let me, in with some risk, let, let me say that here's an analogy between Hillary Clinton and Greg Abbott. They'll love this, Gre- I'm Greg, sure. Greg, Abbott has done, Greg Abbott has done a remarkable— leave the room. Greg Abbott has done a remarkable job over his public life in conveying to the voters he— uh, he courted that he is physically up to any job that he runs for. Right. There has never been a question about his fitness. But, of course, one imagines in the back of the mind of anybody in a physical situation as the as the governor is that you don't want to give anybody the uh, even the slightest indication that you are less than 100 percent physically up to a job. In Hillary Clinton's right. case, there was a long run-up to this pneumonia diagnosis and the falling off the curb in which there were a lot of questions about her fitness, physical fitness. He's coughing. Right? And so if you're in a position where somebody has already got this, you know, a shadow of a sliver of a question, yeah. and then you encounter a situation, what you don't want to do is essentially validate. Right. Right? And so you just decide to go. I mean, I, I, I get it. Maybe. In Abbott's yeah. case, he created the shadow, though. Well, in, Why in, not just, I got burned, I was in the shower. Story's over. In Clinton's case, she did, too. Instead of saying, look, you know, I've got walking pneumonia or a really shitty cold. Boogie woogie flu. She yeah. passes out in public during a 9-11 memorial. You right. know, I mean, it's the. Yeah, I think, again, more exposure is better. So. Uh, all right. Uh, finally, one topic I would like to have a little debate over um, and a big traffic driver from the weekend was the story about the mob, the Rice marching band uh, playing Baylor. And dance. they acted like the mob. They acted like the mob. What did they do? They did a Title IX show um, against Baylor. And, you know, 
while a bunch of Baylor fans were apparently they applauding Art Briles. They themselves into a 9 or, depending upon if you were sitting on the other side of the stadium, an 11. An 11, right. Uh, and they made a star. <laughs> and they made a star, <laughs> in, made a star in, in, in honor of yeah. Ken, Ken Starr. Star, right. Uh, they were making fun of Baylor. They make fun of everybody they oppose. And this time, the thing that they were making fun of was a really serious deal at Baylor, which was the sexual assaults and the football team and all of the stuff that's been roiling Baylor for how long. Um, and the Baylor people are really, really sensitive about it. And we found out how sensitive. The, the, the objection to this was louder than the, than the mob. Uh, well, I mean, was it? I don't know if it was louder than. I mean, it was people going online and basically saying this is making fun of sexual assault, and you know. No, yeah. it wasn't. It was making fun of Baylor. Right, right, right. It wasn't making fun of sexual assault. Um, By the way, Art Browns was in the stands. Right. Well, right. There were a bunch of that fans that like were saluting Art Browns at the same troll time. Of this all was, time, what is yeah. Art Browns doing at that game? They were they were trolling Baylor. They they troll every team they play, and you know. Was Art Browns trolling Baylor? N- well, kind no, of. no, no. The mob was. Uh, Art Browns was probably unintentionally trolling them, right? I thought it was pretty Watch clever. the game from your house, Coach. Unless you're, unless you're planning to visibly yeah, troll Baylor, don't come. <laughs> right. Well, uh, maybe that was a protest vote. I think sorts. the mob got exactly the reaction that they wanted. They've done this to the Aggies. They've done it to the SMU Mustangs. It pops up from time to time, and you know, every once in a while they Well, Rice sort of gave a weird somebody. half-hearted apology. Rice was like, you know, to anybody at Baylor who was offended, you know, we're sorry. That's well, like the sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> they, they, I, they, said they, that, I shouldn't have said that students they, at Baylor are in the sorry basket you of the marbles. That way. They, they <laughs> You know, not apologize. Half of them are in the basket of you know, but they sorry are in the basket. Sorry if your feelings were hurt is not the same as sorry we did it. So have you invited the Rice Marching Band to Tribfest for your conversation with Ken Starr? It would be great, wouldn't it? I'm actually working on Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt right now. <laughs> That'd be an achievement. Okay, <laughs> stay tuned. Yes. Yeah. All right, well. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, good one, Ross. It's, it, it's not a joke if the punchline is a movie no one's seen. <laughs> On that note, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Game of Thrones is a nice political show, actually. I like it. Costume drama. It's totally a political show. How do you know you don't watch it?